This is a Seven West Media podcast. I'm here because I don't believe that Australia's Prime Minister is doing a good enough job securing my future and the future of all generations to come. I think we deserve to live in a country that is 100% renewable and that has um, a fair-minded and... This is coal. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. The Treasurer knows the rule on crops. It's coal. It was dug up by men and women who work and live in the electorates of those who sit on I fell into depression. I stopped talking and I stopped eating. Later on, I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, OCD, and selective mutism. That basically means I only speak when I think it's necessary. Now is one of those moments. Forget the Avengers. At 16 years old, Greta Thunberg is on a mission to save the world. Because if she doesn't, she's genuinely worried it'll cease to exist. The Swedish student inspired the global school strikes for climate because, in her words, we don't need hope, we need action. But are the school strikes effective? Do they inspire real change? Australia has a history of embracing group change, from cigarettes to seatbelts to slip-slop-slap. But what would it take to convince Australians to alter their lifestyles and take action against climate change? I ask climate scientist Professor William Steffen and advertising specialist Gavin Bain. There is no way, and the science is clear, there is no way you will solve the climate change issue unless you get carbon emissions out of the economy, carbon emissions from fossil fuels. Professor William Steffen was the inaugural director of the ANU Climate Change Institute and has a long history in international global change research. I spoke to him from Stockholm, Sweden, where he's working on research for the European Research Council. Um, And one of the things we're looking at, which is really important for the climate story, are feedbacks in the climate system, i.e. carbon cycle feedbacks, loss of carbon from melting permafrost, from... uh, fires in the Amazon and the northern forests, that adds additional carbon to the atmosphere uh, and increases the warming, even if we get emissions down. So um, these are important processes to understand and how the climate works. So that's what I'm working on up here. Well, it does sound quite complicated, and I think some people almost get lost in the climate science. So can we just start by getting the absolute basic facts straight? So if you can just explain to us in layman's terms What is climate change and how are humans contributing to it? Climate change refers to a shift in the climate system which affects the weather we uh, experience day in and day out. So, for example, climate change would involve extreme weather getting worse, i.e. heat waves are getting hotter, uh, uh, tropical cyclones are getting stronger, Rainfall, when it does occur, is getting heavier, but interestingly, we're seeing longer dry periods in between the heavy rainfall. So that makes floods uh, more more likely. But it also means not just short-term extreme mm-hmm. weather, but long-term trends are changing. Now, a, a prominent one is in southwest Western Australia, uh, in the Perth region. Rainfall, winter rainfall is dropping off. 
quite significantly. This is why Perth needs desal plants. This is why farmers are going broke in the wheat belt in WA. Uh, and there is no doubt now anymore that this is not natural. This is human-driven climate change. So what are humans doing? The most prominent thing we are do doing is burning fossil fuels, burning coal, burning oil, burning gas. This releases a, ga a gas called carbon dioxide. It's a byproduct. When you burn this stuff, it just comes out the smokestack or the tailpipe. It accumulates in the atmosphere, and it simply acts like a blanket. It lets the sunlight in, so the sunlight warms the Earth's surface, but like a duna, it traps heat that leaves the Earth's surface and keeps it at the surface and in the lower atmosphere. And this is raises the temperature. So this is why we're seeing more heat. Uh, but, in, but importantly, uh, temperature is just um, a measure of extra heat. So this is why storms are getting worse. This is why weather patterns are changing. Uh, this is why the ocean is warming. This is why coral is bleaching. So basically, we are increasing the thickness of this blanket around the Earth, and that is changing all types of weather and climate systems. So in a nutshell, that is climate change. The number one cause is burning fossil fuels, particularly coal. How bad is it right now in May 2019? I, I would say it's getting very serious. Uh, it doesn't sound serious when you look at the increase in global average temperature. It's about one degree hotter now on average. Uh, that's a long-term average than it was 70 or 80 years ago. Now, you think one degree, that doesn't sound like very much. Uh, but in fact, the difference between an ice age, when you think of an ice age, uh, that's when woolly mammoths ran around. That's when most of a lot of Europe and North America was under ice. Completely, completely different world. The difference, the difference yeah. of temperature was only four degrees in global average temperature between an ice age wow. and, and, and the current warm period. So, so this one degree is a, is a completely misleading number. It's a number that we scientists use because it's like a global thermostat. Uh, but what you feel as a human or as an animal or as a plant is much, much different than that one degree. So this is already a quarter of the way between an ice age and a warm period, but in the opposite direction. Uh, so this is why we're losing ice. This is why ice is melting and disintegrating in West Antarctica and Greenland. This is a big hit already to the climate system. Sounds terrifying when you put it in those terms. It, it, is, it is terrifying to us scientists. Uh, the other thing that's important is the rate. At, at which this is changing. So we know the rate at which the Earth came out of the Ice Age. So temperature rose four degrees, but it did that over 7,000 years. So we are now raised at one degree over about 100 years. So when you do the, the sums there, climate is shifting 170 times faster than it does naturally. And this is why ecosystems are falling over. Uh, birds like Carnaby's cockatoo and WA falling dead out of trees. Why? Because the climate's shifting faster than they can adapt mm. or move. Well, it's like the UN Extinction Report that recently came out. I believe it said one million species will go extinct. Is that right? Yes, that's the number. And it's interesting, when they look at the cause of this um, climate change features there, it's, I think it's number three on the list, but it's rising as it gets worse. So, so natural ecosystems face a double whammy, if you like. Direct pressure on clearing, pollutants, and so on taking out too much water like in the Murray-Darling uh, Basin, which, you know, contributed to that big fish kill. And on top of that, these mm -hmm. poor creatures are having to deal with a climate that's changing too fast for them. So this, this mm -hmm. is part of the, the 
mass extinction story for sure. So how urgent is it that we act? It is absolutely urgent because if you look at the the drop-dead temperature uh, limit of the Paris Climate Agreement, that's two degrees. We're already halfway there, Mm. actually a bit over. Most people think we're at about 1.1. And there's even more built, right. built in from past emissions. So basically, the, the best we could do if we went on a wartime footing is somewhere around 1.5 to 1.6, in my view. And that's putting everything else aside and say, number one issue is get carbon out of our economy. We're not going to do that, and you, we saw that in the last federal election. So this means, in my view, the best possible target we can get is somewhere around 2 degrees. But if we don't start getting emissions down now... Not in 2022 or 2023. Now, the odds of us even meeting two degrees go down drastically. So you've got to work backwards. To meet two degrees, we've got to pretty much get carbon out of our economy by 2040 or 2045. That's 20 years down the track. That's completely changing energy systems, transport systems, heating and cooling, agriculture. So to do that in a way that we can economically and socially manage, we have to start now. Every year of delay now is really, really very bad. Everyone's worried about it. Um, there's people are nervous about it. And if they bonded together and they were shown the way, then I think that positive change could happen quickly. Gavin Bain is the CEO of Meerkats, an advertising agency driven by people and purpose. He's been in the marketing business for more than 30 years. So as an advertiser, how do you move past instant gratification or short-term concerns to make people look at the big long-term picture? I think it's different for different categories because some things um, just take longer. Um, uh, Some behaviours are harder to change. If you're in the uh, in the dairy aisle, and you're choosing between one yogurt and another yogurt. It's only um, asking a consumer to move their hand about eight inches from one uh, brand to the next. The problem is that there's ingrained behaviour that people have just um, done on repeat for years and years, and that's where advertising may work. In other uh, fields, um, we're trying to change long-term behaviour or behaviours that are so ingrained. Um, so speeding, um, sunscreens, um, you know, cancer awareness, etc. Health-related topics. It actually takes takes a long time. It's a very slow and long journey to change that. So, if a client came to you with a brief that said, "You need to change Australia's mind to make it prioritise climate change action by 2040," could that even be done? Uh, yeah, I think it can be done. Um, I think you, you need to be positive about things. I think that the reality is that not a lot happens truly organically. Um, and I think that uh, it's really going to need a champion or a campaign and a budget in order to make that change. When the governments first started looking at smoking behaviour and they launched the quit campaigns and smarter than smoking um, it's taken an enormous amount of time to reduce the, the rate of, of smoking incidents and people still smoke. It takes a long time and it is about behaviour change, but it is possible. Um, when we looked at cigarettes, one of the, one of the things that we did there, it's, it's called um, punitive disincentive. So we, um, the government's just increased the cost of cigarettes, had a, huge, had a huge impact. Plastic bags and charging for plastic bags 
So the what's in it for me to change was framed in a, you know, what will I lose if I don't? And the answer with shopping bags was, well, I'm going to have to cough up money every time I go to the shop, so I might buy some of those Calico bags. The other way is you can look at personal experience and you can um, really personalise it for people. And I think if you took a... Um, if you took climate change as an example, you could start to show the impact on people's own lives rather than talking about the global impact. And that could start to move people's behaviour because it starts at in the home. But then the big one is around um, emotional publicity and actually creating or building a campaign, an engagement piece in mainstream media that actually, um, without scaring people half to death, alerts them to the fact that their own behaviour impacts because in the end the government's going to have to get behind climate change and they're going to have to push that's the champion that we need or it's going to need to be a large basket of organisations who come together, who rally people. Um, That's the thing that will make the difference over time and it needs to be consistent. But until we get that champion, it's actually going to be quite difficult. Why aren't people worried Like you say, if the temperature rises 1.5 degrees, the Great Barrier Reef is history. That is just, that's horrific. That's 0.4 degrees away. Why aren't people worried? They are worried, but but they're also worried about short-term things like their jobs, like how much uh, medical costs are going to rise and so on. Those are all legitimate concerns and they need to be dealt with. But, you know, we need to, uh, as the Americans say, walk and chew gum at the same time. We need to do, do, do these short-term policy settings that are important for people's everyday lives. But we don't do that at the expense of the long-term uh, policy settings that are required to get the climate change uh, problem under control. You really see this coming to the fore in the student strikes. The students have a vested interest in this because it's their future. It's not my future. I'm not going to be around to see the worst of this, but they will be. And that's why they're out in the streets in increasing numbers. And it's interesting that you are in Sweden because obviously the young lady who started this whole thing, Greta Thunberg, is from Sweden and she started because she heard about climate change when she was eight and it stressed her out so much. She stopped eating and talking because it is her future and she is the one who started it. Do you think these protests have an impact? Do they have any effect? Absolutely. I I was here um, also in March this year and on the 15th of March was the big day for student strikes around the, around the planet. And the protest was held in the little square near the Swedish parliament where all on her own in October last year, she started her Friday school strikes. So she was there and she spoke. We stood in for an existential crisis, the worst crisis What was the crowd like when Greta spoke? Well, it was very quiet to listen to her. She didn't speak very long. She doesn't need much time. Uh, and uh, part of the reason she sounds very direct is that the Swedish language is much more direct than English. We strikear för att vi vill ha en framtid och vi kommer fortsätta. So it wasn't a whole lot of, of talks, maybe only half an hour. They don't, they don't waste any time. They get to the point of the matter very quickly over here. She does speak very directly, and I think this one quote um, from one of her videos I watched kind of sums up how yeah. a lot of these young people might feel. She said, I don't, I don't want, want your, your hope. hope. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. When I heard that, I thought, wow, you, just, you don't hear people speak like that very often. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I've seen videos of her going into uh, the Swedish parliament, the European parliament. 
You say you love your children above all else. And yet you are stealing their future in front of their very eyes. And that stops even old white guys. That stops them because that is a powerful statement. Should you scare people or inspire people or is it a combination of those things? Um, I don't think if you go back to um, you know, the AIDS epidemic with the Grim Reaper campaigns um, and you know, I, I think that they do cut through but in the end um, the, the rule really is that action changes attitude faster than attitude changes action. Asking, asking people to act, so when I look at um, the um, school kids leaving school and, um, and protesting for climate change um, or to um, get on with the climate change program, um, the thing that was missing there is um, asking people to do something at that point. When you ask someone to make a pledge to, um, to actually take an action based on what you're asking them to do, their behaviour changes faster. If they had have um, been protesting or pushing out um, a message which was join us in our fight to help the government understand that climate change is important and made it a pledge-based system and that resulted in uh, 18 million pledges, that would be a stronger show of force than just complaining that the government wasn't doing anything. What have the climate strikes achieved, do you think? Has it moved anyone to action in real practical terms? So we saw way back when, when I was much younger the Franklin River Dam case in Tasmania, which comes up now and again. That was 1983. But again, that was based on the fact that Australia had signed the World Heritage Convention. Well, we believe that most of the people of Australia support us in believing that this is a, should be a national park. It shouldn't be HEC land. This is the actual dam site. Uh, we believe there should be a dam here. We think this whole area... And that meant it had a legal obligation to protect its world heritage properties, one of which was southwest Tasmania. So when we sign these global agreements, we actually have, then have a legal obligation back here in Australia to take the action we need to meet those obligations. So um, we have signed the, the UNFCCC, the Framework Convention on Climate Change. We've signed the Paris Agreement. That puts legal obligations on Australia to do certain things. I think there's room for a different story, a story that focuses on the solutions to some of these problems. So in 2040, what will the world look like for our daughter if we just embrace the best that already exists? Interestingly enough, if you have a look at the, the new um, movie that's out, 2040, which is, um, which is talking about what we can all do in order to um, reverse or change the climate change impact by 2040, um, that by giving us and telling us how we can impact on climate change, that movie will probably have more of an impact than any negative campaigning that's going on around climate change at the moment. Scaring people will just um, get people to back into a corner. Telling people and helping people to understand how they can lean into the change with themselves will make a bigger difference. At any time, your smoker's cough can become smoker with lung cancer's cough. I do think Australia has experience in this sort of thing, not with climate change 
specifically, but it has sort of, there has been societal change on other issues like the gun buyback or smoking is a big one where obviously tobacco companies were really big, but that whole situation has switched and now it's very common knowledge smoking is bad for you. Everyone accepts it. No politician would ever back it. Do you hope we get a similar outcome for climate change? Yeah, look, that's a very good point and those are very good analogies. And I think what happened in those was before we got those changes in terms of smoking, uh, and of course it took that tragedy in in Port Arthur to get the the gun buyback going, but certainly in the smoking one, there was a social movement building up behind that. People were getting fed up of going into restaurants and having to breathe other people's smoke and so on. Um, And that's building in the climate change issue. The students are a really good example of that, but it's building elsewhere. Uh, We're now getting economics on our side, which is really important uh, because renewables are cheaper now in terms of new builds, significantly cheaper than fossil fuels. So there is momentum building through various um, parts of society, economics, students, um, the general public. And I think just like a lot of natural systems that have tipping points, Uh, human social systems have tipping points too. Uh, And I'm optimistic that we're approaching a tipping point. So from what you're saying, it sounds like a really fine balance. Like you have to find that sweet spot where you convince people but not make them feel like they're a terrible person. The slip slop slap, um, if you drink and drive, you're a bloody idiot. Seatbelts save lives. Rethinking your waste, those kind of campaigns are good examples of campaign-based, budgeted, long-term programs that bring people along for the journey. So I think that that's, that is going to be the most effective way to do it. It needs a champion and it needs a budget put to it so that we can start to push back against the tide of climate change. I don't think, that, um, I don't think the punitive side in this particular case, um, legislating our way out of climate change is probably not going to be the most effective method. What is the most the first most obvious step people can take? Do you know what I mean? Like makes me sad to say someone who loves a steak, but should I be giving up meat? Should I stop flying? You know, what should we be doing? Look, I, I would say the most important thing is is more important than what you do personally. Uh, and I've got to admit, when I work with my European colleagues, I feel guilty every time I get on an airplane, but I don't have an alternative. And it's, it's even worse in Australia. I live in Canberra. I go to Sydney often. There is not a decent train, which is absolutely criminal. So I would say the most important thing you can do is get out on the streets, get onto your politicians, get onto the coalition, tell them they're back in the dark ages, they're back in the stone ages. Put pressure on the political system because this will never be solved unless we take the right collective action. So much more than what you do personally is what we do collectively. And that's why what Greta is doing is really important. It's not this just that she's doing the right thing personally. She's trying to get masses of people, students and others, out on the streets, into Parliament houses, saying, we demand that you take action and change this system. That's the most important thing we can do. Well, from everything you've said, it does sound like it is possible. Well, there's enough evidence to show that consumers, the, the people of Australia, are leaning into the climate change issue and would be very happy to help to make the change. They need to be led to do that. The tide is turning anyway. There are enough people who, if they did see a positive message about how we can all work together to make the change, that, that everyone would bond together. I don't, it's, it's not a fringe issue. I'd love to do the campaign, so if anyone wants to um, give me a ring, then I'm happy to chip in. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Gavin, well played. All right, well, thank you so much for that, Will. I do feel 
I honestly do feel like that urgency now, you know, because it is easy to ignore, to be honest. It's easy to just yeah, forget about it and get on with your life. But if we keep doing that, then it will just get worse. Yep, absolutely. The time for action was yesterday. Let's put it that way. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you about this issue. Thanks very much for the opportunity to chat about it. I thought it was great. That was climate scientist Professor William Steffen and advertising specialist Gavin Bain. And thanks to the Wilderness Society and the Swedish Lad for their sound files. Some people say that I should be in school instead. Some people say that I should study to become a climate scientist so that I can solve the climate crisis. But the climate crisis has already been solved. We already have all the facts and solutions. All we have to do is to wake up and change. And why should I be studying for a future that soon will be no more, when no one is doing anything whatsoever to save that future? And what is the point of learning facts within the school system, when the most important facts given by the finer science of that same school system clearly means nothing to our politicians and our society. That is your news fix for this week. Every week we'll dig a little deeper and go behind the headlines. News Fix is produced by Seven West Media. Supervising producer is John Buck. Our executive producer is Nikki Hamilton. And the director of News and Public Affairs is Craig McPherson. <laughs>